Hello, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, and this is the Enterprising Mindset Podcast. My guest today is Lucy Cohen. Lucy is the co-founder of Mazuma, the UK's first subscription-based accountancy service. Founding the company in 2006 at the age of 23, Lucy spotted a gap in the market for low-cost, hassle-free accountancy services. Mazuma was created drawing on Lucy's childhood experiences of seeing the stress and anxiety that tax can cause people. Growing up in a family of self-employed creatives, she noticed that they were fantastic at what they did, but not so great with the tax and account side of their businesses. Spotting a gap in the market for low-cost, subscription-based accountancy services, Mazuma was born. She created an unconventional business model in a traditional service industry and has been a forefront of revolution in the accountancy industry ever since. Since 2006, the company has become one of the largest providers of small business accountancy services in the UK. And in 2011, Mazuma was launched in the USA. Now, the Mazuma brand services clients all across the UK and USA. And Lucy remains committed and passionate about innovation and technology within the services based in sector. Lucy's widely recognised as an industry expert and regularly called upon to contribute to trade publications and industry discussions. Her debut book, The Millennial Renaissance, was released in 2017 and met with critical acclaim. Lucy, welcome to Enterprising Mindsets. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to ask you so many questions, one of which is the name Mazuma, because it's a fantastic name. But the first question I'm going to ask you is one that we ask all of our guests just to settle in, really. And what's that? What does an enterprising mindset mean to you personally? For me, it's about being a problem solver. Um, So taking a situation and uh, looking at it and trying to kind of, I always call it manufacturing wins, seeing what you can make of a situation um, using the skills that you have available to you. I like that manufacturing wins. Yes, (laughs) manufacturing wins. I say say it a lot. (laughs) So what does that mean? That's not just surely for a founder. That could be anybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think... Yeah, we every day, every single day, you'll come up against a situation that isn't ideal, and um, you know you've got your choice of how to respond to that. And you know, full disclosure, I don't always respond to it in the right way, and sometimes I have to have a little word with myself. But it's a case of looking at a situation and going, right, I can't do that thing, and I can't do that thing, and that that route appears to be blocked to me. So you can be a mess, but just don't stay there, don't stay in that moment, and think, right, how can I how can I manufacture something positive out of this? How can I, how can I manufacture a win out of this situation, uh, no matter how terrible it is? And even sometimes, yeah, there's that old cliche, isn't it? You win or, or you learn. Even if it is just a case of, I've learned that this thing cannot be done at all, you've, you've got something out of it, you took something away from it. So that's kind of what I mean, I think. That's a great piece of counsel, I think, for the last 10 months for all of us, isn't it? (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And we are really proud that you're a YE alumna. Tell us how you founded Mazuma and also tell us where does the name come from? So Mazuma is an old um, Yiddish slang word for money. So I'm from a Jewish family. um, So that kind of fitted quite nicely. Yeah, I founded it really just from personal experience. So having seen the issues and problems that my family faced or members of my family faced in terms of just dealing with general tax compliance, um, running a business, being self-employed, you're wearing many, many hats. And it seemed that that dealing with that relationship with an accountant was problematic, was was stressful when it didn't need to be. Um, And looking around the market and I set the company up before 
you could do that much research. The, the information we have on the internet now is significantly more than it was back in 2006. And just knowing that I, I just I just honestly believed I could come up with something better than what existed. That was all it was. I thought I can solve this problem and I can probably do it better. Um, and with the, all the confidence of a 23-year-old, went and did it. I mean, it makes me think, actually, because one, one of the barriers that the Rose Review highlights is uh, that women typically have a higher risk awareness than men, more cautious about starting or scaling a business, um, limiting their willingness to risk their livelihood on a on an uncertain venture in your experience as a female founder what's your view on the role that risk awareness plays in perhaps putting off women from starting a business i think we are potentially more risk averse but i think it's because we've been taught it we've been taught to be more risk averse so and this goes back to and i could harp on about this all day this goes back to the messages we teach and i and i will if you let me this goes back to the messages we teach children in the playground or kids in nursery school boys tend to be the he who dares wins and all the rest of it they're all very male centric and i think that's kind of absorbed by um, children and then young adults. You know, I think boys tend to be taught to give it a try, give it a bash, what's the worst that can happen? Whereas uh, girls tend to be taught, well, maybe just stay in your lane a little bit or you, know, you, don't, you don't want to be embarrassed or you don't want to look a fool. And it's not overt necessarily. But it, I think we do it's take it on It's quite subtle, isn't it? It's very subtle. But I think, you know, a, a lifetime of subtlety results in you believing something which isn't necessarily true. Women are obviously just as capable as men are to do you know, m- m- all the jobs that we see out there, all the, the companies we see. Um, and yet, obviously, only 1% of private equity funding goes to women in the UK. So so, so I, th- I think that we've been taught to be more risk averse it doesn't mean we have to be it doesn't mean that we can't we can't do it we just I think it's that thing of it, it just maybe it seems scary but you even if it is scary you just have to do it scared you just have to go and do it well whilst you're scared it's, it's not going to be it might not be easy we might not have the doors open for us or we might not have that comfort blanket of knowing that you know oh well if it doesn't work out on to the next thing I think also it's that thing of maybe mud sticks to women more than it does to men I'm just kind of theorizing here when Women fail, and women do fail, we all fail. Um, it tends to be blown up and shown you know, if a female politician does badly um, because the um, the history has been a male politician. It's like, oh, look, you put a woman in charge and that's what happens. Um, instead of going, well, actually, we've had quite a run of the opposite also being quite true, but no one's, because it's the norm, no one's kind of thought to comment. So I think because women do tend to be the exception in a lot of fields still currently, where there's a failure, it's more notable. So that bar's just that little bit higher than it is. Um, But that's not a reason not to do it, because eventually we'll have enough history of successes and failures to even out and and normalise it. And I know that that's something you're passionate about, isn't it? About talking about mistakes, the importance of failure and using that as a, as a learning opportunity. Oh, um, massively so. I've failed so many times. I do it daily. Every day, every day I mess something up. <laughs> but I guess, I guess the whole thing is that you're learning all the time, aren't you? Cause... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully I don't make the same mistakes twice. Or if I do, then that's a whole different learning experience, isn't it? Just it stop is. making the same mistake twice. Stop and, thinking and, and... you'll change something. And I, and I guess going back to being 23, starting Mazuma, I mean, what was it about that that uh, risk awareness that made you think, I can do this, I'm going to do this? A few things, really. I, I grew up, again, you know, in, in quite a matriarchal family. I had very strong women around me. So I never, I never thought I couldn't do it. You know, no one ever told me I couldn't. And I went to an all-girls school where um, they, it was a very empowering environment. 
And I, I think I said on a, another podcast recently, it wasn't until I started a business, I, I really realised that I was a woman and that was a thing. Um, so I didn't have that kind of... You know, a woman uh, as in a thing being something that's in that context holding you back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I, didn't, okay. I didn't think that, that my uh, my gender was was an issue um, until so I kind of went out experience? into the world. So what was the first experience of that? What made you think, oh, actually... This is not this is not my normal experience. What was it that kind of triggered that? I went to a networking event and right. the first person I met asked me, um, "Oh, I assume you work for your dad's company." Right. So I was okay. like, "Oh, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> this is happening." Um, yeah. So that that happened, and then you start noticing. So your eyes kind of open, and you start noticing it. And meetings were harder to get. It was harder to get in front of people where I saw kind of male counterparts waltz into meetings. Um, I had to work that much harder to get them. Uh, it's changing slowly now. Obviously, I've been doing this nearly 15 years. So it is changing. But yeah, it, it's still definitely there. And if you look at the statistics from the Rose Report, absolutely, the, you know, those differences are still there. And it's still really important that we address them without embarrassment. And we're not apologetic in addressing them because a lot of the time they're just facts. And we just have to get them out there, rip the bandaid off and then look at how can we fix it. And you talk about having to work harder to get the appointments when male counterparts mm -hmm. perhaps just were able to have them more easier. What mm -hmm. what kind of tactics would you deploy to, to be able to do that? Is it just grafting that much harder or...? Yeah, I think just, just grafting that much harder. I never wanted to go down that route of covering up that I'm a woman but I know people who have who've changed their name at the bottom of email signatures or been you know, very... Uh, uh, cagey about what gender they are to do that there's that um quite funny report of a, a guy who's I it, a travel agent or, or a recruitment consultant who swapped names with his female counterpart and noticed the difference and um, that's out there I didn't do anything like that I, I, I think it was also finding allies so finding men who got it and men who were not part of that kind of um old guard and you know telling them you telling them what i wanted telling them telling them i wanted an introduction and i think again maybe that's something that women don't do particularly well is say right what i want from this meeting is i'm not just going to meet you for, with absolutely no purpose and hear your life story the outcome i want from this meeting is i want an introduction to so and so and that's and i ask for them um, and i learned that i had to learn that because I, I wasted a lot of time going to meetings and, and coming out of the meeting going i don't i don't really know what the point of that was what I've just wasted an hour of my time. I don't really know why I was there instead of just so asking be, for something. So you'd be really intentional before the meeting about what exactly it was that you wanted from it? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually, I'm really intentional with all my meetings. Um, I absolutely hate the whole, this meeting could have been an email thing because it happens so often. Um, mm. And time is so precious, especially when you're a founder, uh, time is so precious to you. So unless a meeting's got a purpose, I just don't take it basically. <laughs> founding a business you know is it can be hugely isolating in lots of ways yeah. what what steps have you put in place that we could perhaps learn from to counter that isolation as a as a as a founder as a female founder yeah i think that um i mean i'm lucky or um I, I work well in collaboration with people and I know that about myself and I always have in fact so I always like to have somebody to bounce off against so I've got a business partner Sophie who's also my best friend another um, alumni of uh, YE um, and we've known each other since we were 11 so um, you know we've got a really good base there and are able to be very 
honest with each other in terms of what we want from the business um, and we're very different people as well you know we have very different skill sets um, we approach things in a different way and that works really nicely as a business partnership but what I've also done is built myself a community and I've gone out and found other founders other people to share the experiences with um, because anything you're going through when you run a business it always feels like it's very personal and it always feels very um, it's very, you know, it's very isolating and actually that you know, all the ridiculous things that happen to you and all the terrible things that happen, they happen to everybody else as well. So finding your tribe of people who can say, do you know what happened to me today? And then someone else will go, oh, yeah, I had that last month. And you're like, oh, thank goodness. It's not just me. I'm not going mad. Um, that's really important. And actually, you know, nowadays it's much easier to find that tribe because you've got uh, you've got social media, you've got online, you've got online networking now, which obviously in the last 10 months or so has become really prevalent. You've got new apps like Clubhouse, which is a, a new place where people can go and chat. And I think that that's massively important if you are a, a founder to find your tribe and have people you can be authentic and honest with and, and not have to put a veneer on with. That's it's so important. In terms of female role models and mentors, would you say that you'd had any significant role models who supported you on, on your journey? So not famous people, but certainly my first couple of bosses um, when I went into the accountancy industry were really, I don't think I realised it at the time. I didn't realise that they were such good role models, but looking back, they absolutely were. So I was working for Jury's Hotel Group and the general manager of the hotel was a woman called Margaret. Um, and the financial controller was a woman called Sarah, who was my direct boss. So a female management team, I think head of, you know, looking back, head of sales was female as well. And this was back in ooh, 2002, 2003. Um, and they just, you know, I think they were just really positive role models. They taught me to ask what I wanted. They taught me to say no to things. They taught me, you know, they, they, they didn't give me an easy ride. Um, but I, I learned loads from them. And I actually think that, Again, like I said, I, I didn't realise at the time, but actually having those strong female management role models in front of me, my first job in accounting was massively important. Um, I, I saw that it was possible. If you can see it, you can be it. Mm. And and that kind of opened that door for me. I can really see that because I guess that whole diversity of role models as well, because it doesn't have to be one particular way of being, does it, in terms of somebody that's relatable, that that person needs to be relatable to the individual, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think what role models do as well is, you know, I, I wouldn't say you just have one because you don't want to model yourself after somebody else. Mm. Role models are people who help you develop parts of yourself that need developing and to enhance those bits that are already good. You know, you, and you might take different bits from different people and, and, and your role models will change as you grow and develop. Um, and that's absolutely right, because you're a different person to to who you were two years ago all that kind of some of your parts uh, makes makes you into who you are so yeah you I, I think having a, a range of, of uh, the more diverse your set of role models can be the better really because you're just going to get that kind of rich experience um, that's going to help you on your way and and as you said before you were we're incredibly proud of you as a, as a really successful <laughs> ye alumna so it's fantastic thank you uh, as as you know we've got thousands of young people young women who are starting their own student businesses many of the alumni who are, are keep going with their entrepreneurial ideas we want to support them make the most of the opportunities as well as deal with the inevitable challenges so yes. what tips would you give young women considering starting a business right now uh, make sure you've got your seat at, at the table, first of all. So, what do you mean someone, by that? So, when someone says, um, Who wants to be 
the CEO, you just put your hand up and you go, mate, because it doesn't matter at that point, you know, you're, you're, a, you're running a student business. No one's been a CEO before. You're all equally qualified to do it. So just take it um, because you'll learn so much. Don't be scared of just going, yep, I'll do that. It doesn't matter if you've not done it before at this stage. To be perfectly honest, a lot of the time it doesn't matter if you've not done it before um, because a lot of skill sets are transferable. So unless it's something particularly technical or you're being a surgeon or something, um, a lot of the skill sets you'll find are very transferable. It's just a case of knowing you've got the resources and skills to learn how to do that new thing. And I think you'll find when you dig down, you know, when you dig deep down that most people have, but you've got to be ready and prepared to put your hand up and put yourself out there. And it is scary. And it does mean that people will criticize you. And it does mean that you're putting your head above the parapet and people might take pot shots. Um, but that's just part of it. You have to develop a slightly thicker skin. It doesn't mean that you can't have empathy. It doesn't mean that you can't be an authentic and sensitive person, but it just means you have to be, you, you have to decide how to deal with criticism and you can decide to, to um, internalize it and hold on to it, or you can decide to just listen to it and brush it off. And if you think you need to change, you need to change. And if you don't, you don't. Um, and I think that's something that's really important for young women, uh, especially to know that it doesn't matter if somebody criticizes you. Often it says more about them than it does about you. Um, so just choose how to react to that. That's um very pertinent point isn't it in terms of responding to criticism but also rejection in the, in your field oh, I'm yeah. sure that would have happened how how do you as a business woman as a founder how have you learned to respond to rejection next next right thing. that's yeah. it really you know you, you can't change it and actually it's really funny when we when we years and years ago I won't name the bank but we wanted to um, we could see an opportunity in banking and we wanted to do a partnership with a bank and this particular bank came back to us and we're like oh you, know, um, you you're, you're too small you're too young uh, come back to us when you're doing xyz um, and now we are doing xyz and, and we're not going to work with them these, these things come around uh, they, they do go full circle people join our service and then leave it for something else that's a rejection they've you know they decided they don't want what we do anymore and they move on somewhere else it's just it's just part of the course of everyday life. And I just think it's about how you choose to deal with it. Yeah, because you mentioned before about deciding how to respond to criticism, mm. deciding how to respond to that kind of feedback. I mean, is that something that you've intentionally developed over a course of time? Yeah, I have. Um, it, it, it's not something that necessarily comes naturally. Look, if, mm. if you don't care when someone criticizes you, if you don't care and it just doesn't bother you at all in the first instance, then you're probably not doing the right thing because you don't care enough to carry on. You know, caring means that it bothers you that someone's criticizing you, but then you get to decide. You can decide to, um, to, to kind of snap back. You can decide to ignore it. You can decide to think, well, have they got a point? Do I need to address something? And it's something that I kind of talk through with our management team. It's a case of going, right, we always go me first. So if someone's got a criticism, we always go, right, me first, what did I do? Is it me? Is there anything I need to address first? And once you've ruled that out, you go, okay, no, I'm happy that I, I, I've satisfied myself in terms of I've done the job I think I should have done. I think we did everything we should have done, in which case I can decide, is it something we need to change? Or actually, is this just a bad fit? And we, we, can, we can move on from it. But that is a skill I've had to learn. I don't think that necessarily comes naturally to anybody. And you know, no one likes being criticised. I still hate it. I still don't like being criticised. But it's, it's a learning tool. You're out of your comfort zone. And, and that's you know, not to be too cliche, but that's where the magic happens. When you get challenged, that's when you're forced to justify yourself. Interestingly, um, it was when we took on an investment round in 2019 
And for the first time in a long time, I had to stand up and hold myself accountable and go through my financial projections and know all know all the numbers and know what I was talking about and convince other people to give me their money to put into the business and then become shareholders and board in the business. And, you know, I got asked some really tough questions. And my first instinct, because I've been doing what I've been doing for such a long time, was to be like, well, it's obvious. Why don't you get it to you? Are you <laughs> why, why on earth don't you get it? And then I was like, actually, no, I'm, I, I'm obviously, if they don't understand it, it's not them, it's me. I'm not explaining it properly. So I had to go and kind of adjust that. So yeah, it happens. It happens all the time, even now. And I, I guess right now there will be times where you will have you'll be anxious, or be times where you're met with real uncertainty. You are a leader of a management mm-hmm. team. Are there any tools that you could share with us that you've used to kind of steady yourself as you're kind of na- you're leading the business and navigating the business that we might all benefit from? Yeah, I mean, the, I, again you know, holding my hands up the last 10 months, I've not been brilliant at looking after myself because it's been such a stressful time and you just mm-hmm. kind of go into fight or flight mode and, you know, head down, nose the growing stone, all that stuff. And I realized it was affecting me. I was, I was getting to burnout, um, depression has snuck in and I'm, you know, I'm not able to do my job if I'm not being my best self. My best self doesn't mean I'm working 14 hour days or getting stressed out all the time or spending time not sleeping worrying my best self is being efficient me and being healthy and happy and enjoying what I do so my biggest advice in terms of being able to deal with stress anxiety is is really is look after yourself you know make sure that you're eating properly that you're you know, drinking enough water that your sleep is such a massive trigger for me for anxiety if I'm tired my anxiety's through the roof um you know and, and then you'll find that you're dealing with situations in a much more rational way and you're able to make those more complex decisions because you, you haven't got brain fog and you're feeling good and then it's um yeah I'm saying this as someone who talks 19 to the dozen it's listening to people and what they're really saying um when someone's you know and, and knowing your team around you or knowing the people around you you get people who you ask are you okay and they're like yeah I'm fine they go no are you really okay let's be honest here and you've got to dig that second level then you've got people who'll just tell you how they feel anyway it's knowing the people around you and how to listen to them is huge because if you've got a good management team uh, your life is so much easier um it's it's much easier when you've got great people around you definitely but yeah it's 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 always a challenge and dealing with um your mental health your physical health when you're running a business that you know the first couple of years if you look at founders in the first couple of years they're all of them close to burnout and I don't know if it's, you hope it's avoidable but the the inclination is to just keep doing more because it's there I think it's a real skill to learn when to say no to stuff and just give yourself time um what I do actually is I block out time for my diary I noticed last week that my diary had become ridiculous and I was just hour after hour doing stuff I was like do you know what I'm gonna try and keep uh, Mondays for writing content and not put too much pressure on myself to do it if I'm not feeling particularly creative and keep half a day somewhere to just keep it free just to catch up on bits and pieces or not do anything um buying myself space but I'll block it out of my diary so other people can't go and put appointments in there for me yeah just keep clear or private appointments or something just mm. just so it's for you yeah yeah very important meeting do not block anything else yeah <clears throat> <laughs> 
Absolutely. I mean, you, to your point about taking care of yourself, I mean, I, I just want to kind of acknowledge and recognise, I mean, you wrote an incredibly brave and insightful article on, on depression, which um, has been shared um, publicly on LinkedIn, I think, and also on your yeah. website. Is that right? I mean, yeah, that I shared was... it on um, Accounting Web. Yeah, I write for Accounting Web as well. I mean, I, I read that and I found it hugely insightful um, and really inspiring. So I just wanted to okay. share that, that... Um, Lots of people will read that, and hopefully, people who listen to today's podcast will will read that as well. I mean, did that as that journey? I guess the last ten months, that journey taught you anything in terms of how you would do things differently in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think I, ju- you know, I'd just be a bit kinder to myself. I think mm-hmm. that's the, that's the main thing. Um, and it, you know, my my story isn't unique. I know a lot of people who've gone through the same thing, and I think it, it was just kind of it's kind of humbling because I've always suffered with anxiety. Um, and I know how, like I said in the article, I know how to deal with that. I know how that works. I know what my triggers are, but this kind of depression sneaking in was new to me. Actually, now that I'm treated, now that I'm, you know, I'm on my path to recovery for it. I actually think I probably had it in the past before. And I recognized that feeling. I felt, I was like, Oh, I, I know this. It just, I couldn't get myself out of this. Tim. I just needed a bit of help. Um, but yeah, I think I'd I'd be quicker to act. I think I wouldn't just assume that I'll be able to pull this through. I'd be quicker to ask for help because it's made a huge difference to me. And I, I'm it's always the same, isn't it? When you do something like, oh, I wish I'd done that sooner. It was exactly that feeling, that thing of, I wish I'd done it six months ago. I just, I was just, I was just too slow to act. And actually that's something I've learned not to be in business is too slow to act because you need to work quickly. Um, so yeah, I think I'll probably just do that differently. And, and, and do you know what, be really authentic about it be really honest about it because since I wrote that article so many people have contacted me just to say thank you so much um I'd never have known that you struggled and I do too and I'm going to do something about it people I massively respect people I've known for 10 years who I didn't know suffered with depression um, and they've gone oh yeah me too yeah actually yeah, I take this or I do that and I'm like wow you know we, even though the stigma is lifted not enough to let people I've known for 10 years tell me like, oh, I'm feeling a bit depressed at the moment. And so taking care of yourself, being kind to yourself, kinder to yourself is going to be a key mantra for 2021. Absolutely. Yeah. Listening to my body, listening to my brain. And I think just, you know, there's been so many things that even as we go through 21 feel like they've been taken away from us. So I just had a trip, you know, a trip that we've had to uh, reschedule twice has just been had to be rescheduled again. But, you know, it feels like so many things have been taken from you. And I think that you just have to try. It's hard. It really is hard. I'm not always the the best at doing this, but you know, where you can try and find the joy in things no matter how small. And actually, do you know what? A, a massive thing is, especially when you're a founder. So when I hear you say stuff like, oh, you know, you're successful or you've come all this way or whatever else, I'm like, have I? Like, am I? <laughs> really? Because actually you never take stock of things. You never pause when you're running a business. And I think actually a lot of people don't in their careers or their lives. You never pause and just go, look how far I came. Look at, look at what I did. Um, and that's really, really important because otherwise it's great to keep you know, focusing forward and we shouldn't dwell on the past. You know, we, we, we keep focusing forward. And I think that founders of businesses very much do that. They're very forward thinking people. You, but it's so important to look back and take stock of where you've been and go, look what we did. You know, we, we started this business with me and my best friend in a spare room in a house I could barely afford. We had no money, no idea what we were doing, not a clue. 
and it's it's good to kind of look back at that and go actually yeah we've we've come quite a long way we've done quite a lot of stuff and we should be proud of that and be proud of yourself mm. I think that we are allowed to uh, congratulate ourselves and give ourselves praise because you, know, you can't rely on anyone else to do it no one else is necessarily going to tell you you're doing a great job so absolutely. why not appreciate it for yourself and they're your achievements aren't they no one else has done yeah, that absolutely own so, it own those achievements i have i know that we are running out of time but i have a couple of questions directly from young women who oh, are great. at the moment currently running ye student businesses and they wanted to Exciting. ask you a couple of questions the sure. first one was what would you tell yourself when you first started your own business now if you could go back as that 23 year old in that mm-hmm. rented house with sophie what would you tell yourself uh learn to delegate sooner you can't do everything uh, massively you know and it's and it's the part of the partly the the perfectionist nature partly the um want to get everything done to my standards is the first thing is learn how to delegate sooner so get staff six months before you think you need them really if you're kind of looking at expansion or outsource things you don't need to do yourself do you need to be answering your phone all the time it's a massive time drain answering the phone or could you get a call answering service to do it and give you the messages every three hours or so um that buys yourself a massive amount of time. Um, that's huge. Also, remember that not everybody uh, is going to view the company like you view the company, and that's okay. Because if they did all view the company like you viewed the company, they'd be your competition and they'd be out there starting their own businesses. So you don't need everybody to think like you. Um, that's a huge thing. Um, and also to sometimes just start. So it doesn't need to be a hundred percent perfect before you before you just get going just get going and figure the rest out later because ultimately you could put together an mvp and and think that it's um it's going to be great and you've got this value proposition or whatever else and it, you as soon as you put it into live or whatever it's going to be you're going to find bugs whatever it is you're going to find errors or things you need to do differently yeah if the best prototype in the world when you put it into real life always has changes so just just go and do it just go and do it just don't wait until it's perfect or you'll never do it Fantastic. How inspiring is that? (laughs) How inspiring is that? My very last question is what's next for Lucy Cohen? Oh, so we've got some technology that we've been developing during the pandemic, which uh, sounds bonkers. What a, what a ridiculous thing to try and do alongside just you know, just treading water, really. Um, so, yeah, so we decided now was the time to really, uh, really overwork ourselves. We've got some new technology, which is going to massively increase our efficiencies internally, which will be great for us, us our team, and will allow us to kind of scale our growth up without having to take on too many more people in headcount. So it keeps that nice tight it tight-knit team it means that I mean, we've got 32 people at the moment so more than that is a real headache I think and, and also people then don't know each other as intimately it's a it's a once you kind of go past that 30 people mark it becomes a different beast um so I'm keen to kind of I'm keen to kind of keep people having that kind of close relationship with each other if we can to continue to grow the company and then from a personal perspective I've got a, a few personal goals um I want to do some more writing and advocating for mental health um in the workplace and get more involved in um you know reaching the hand back for other women to come forward to I, you know, I, I mentor a couple of people formally and informally to do more of that really to kind of help where I can because I feel like I've got to a position where maybe I can help and if you can, you should, I think. So that's what I'm hoping to do. 
Lucy, thank you for an incredible conversation today, for your drive, your insights, your practical hacks, which I think I'm certainly <laughs> going to benefit from. I'm going to start putting, keep clearing my diary. Lucy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Enterprising Mindsets is a podcast brought to you by Young Enterprise. If you'd like to hear more, please do subscribe via your favourite podcast app.